Hey, it's Josiah. Before we get started with this episode, I have something very special to share with you. You know, we've delved deep into what it means to be an Enneagram 5 together for the past few years, especially with our friend of the show, Sam Greenberg, or as many of you know her, the Enneagram expert. And now we want to go even deeper with you. We've worked together with Sam to craft an online workshop exclusively for type 5s to help you unlock the secrets of connection with every Enneagram type. This is not just another generic workshop. It's a deep dive into understanding and nurturing relationships tailored specifically for your unique perspective. Imagine getting practical, actionable insights on connecting with each of the nine Enneagram types all through the lens of a type five. Sam's going to guide you on how to build meaningful relationships, sharing strategies and insights specifically designed for fives. I've seen firsthand how Sam's insights can transform understanding and communication. And I'm so excited to partner with her to bring this exclusive workshop to you. Whether you're looking to deepen current relationships or navigate new ones, this workshop is a game changer for fives seeking genuine connection. Spots are limited, and trust me, you don't want to miss this. So head over to Enneagram5.com connection to secure your place and begin your journey towards richer, more authentic connections. Once again, go to Enneagram5.com connection or visit the link in the description to get your ticket to the workshop today. Cody. Yes. How would you feel if I took your phone and unlocked it? I would do the exact same thing that I did to my parents when they used to burst into my room unannounced. Scream, freak out, and try to cut your hands off. Okay, so fives are private. Yeah. It's a it's a generalization, but it's also it's also generally true. Um yeah, for sure. I and I, and that this is kind of the the weird thing to me if I think too hard about the fact that we're fives doing a podcast for and about fives. Mm-hmm. We're we're pretty open and honest. In yeah, these, in these conversations, I can't think of it. I think I can't think about it too much, right? Because if I start thinking about what I'm actually doing, mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, nah, I think I'm going to quit. Actually, <laughs> we're not doing this anymore. Yeah, if and I think it helps that you and I right now it's just the two of us in the room, and okay. so we we are aware that we're doing this for an audience. But I think when we're in the moment, we can focus, and it's just the two of us having a conversation. Yeah, I can't imagine doing this like in front of an audience. Oh, doing it live. Oh man, or even. Even having guests on, which mm. we're doing this season, yep. that's actually been a really big challenge for me, especially being asked direct questions that I don't already know is going to happen, <laughs> like curated <laughs> questions. Because a lot of the time with our conversation, we have we don't really we don't talk about it a lot of the time ahead of time, especially conversations like this. We just we're gonna wing it. But I kind of know where you're gonna go with conversations. We've known each other long enough, and I can have these like premeditated or pre kind of curated responses some of the time. And then sometimes I just go off the cuff, but I don't, I'm never really taken that off, off guard, but with people I have I don't really know. And we're having these guests on that I don't really know. And they're asking like hard questions. 
I don't know what's going to happen. And I might just say the thing that I'm thinking, which I'm, I'm actually trying really hard to do, but my, my sense of privacy is constantly being violated when I do those things. And that's really, really hard. Yeah. I'm a bit weird in that I still have some of those tendencies, <clears throat> but it's been so conditioned out of me because of the person that I'm married to. Mm, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like when I was young, I was very private. I, I, especially with my space, like I couldn't sit in a room, like a, a room that had a door. I couldn't sit in a room with, with a door and have the door be open. Same. Yeah. yeah. I had to have the door closed. Yep. And especially my bedroom, like I could not sit in my bedroom and have the door open. Didn't matter if no one else was home. Like I just, mm -hmm. there was something about the perception that anyone could walk by and see me at any time. And I don't have control over that. Yep. Like I didn't even like having my back towards the door. Yeah. Yeah. I needed to be able to see the door, even if it was closed. That way I knew that somebody was coming in and I could be, I could be ready for it. I could be prepared. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And... Then I got married. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully my wife doesn't mind too much. At this point, she's probably used to it. <laughs> After season one, like, come on. We're, this is old hat at this point. Everybody's used to having their lives exposed. Yeah, she and I have been married, um, it was 11 years in April. So hmm. it's been a while and we've both grown a ton. Yeah. And um, so things are very, very different than when we first got married. And we each had a lot to learn and a lot of growth to do. Um, but I, I think that was one of the biggest shocks to me when I, I didn't really consider it going into getting married. Yeah. And, you know, if you've listened to the conversation, uh, about relationships that we've had, we've both grown a lot. And when we first got married, I think one of the most shocking things for me in that transition was realizing that I didn't really have any real privacy anymore. Yeah. You know, my space is no longer my space. I share it with someone. And, you know, if you listen to the conversation that we've had about relationships, you'll know that my wife was my first girlfriend. And so I didn't really ha get any practice beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of went into this. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, there's just someone there all the time. Sure. In my space. And there is no closing the door. And not not really. I mean, it there's we're at the point now where, you know, we can each set boundaries and respect those boundaries. Um and it but it took a little while to get there. And she she and I grew up so very differently. And her family was super close knit. Um they they all were uh, in each other's lives very, uh, very intimately. Mm -hmm. And a lot, of, a lot of times it was like I was growing up in a hotel. Like most of them, we just kind of came and went and <laughs> yeah, um, we would have conversations. Um, but, you know, we, all, we each had our own space mm -hmm. and we, we chose when we wanted to uh, interact and when people came into our spaces. And it was just a very different thing. Like my wife... Even when, when she was in college, she was living at home and she would still call her parents every day. Yeah. And she told me that. I'm like, I haven't talked to my parents in like four months. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of forgot the, like if, if it's sure. not in front of my face, like I forget that it exists, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Um, Which makes me feel special because we lived across the country from each other and we still stayed in pretty good contact considering. Yeah. We were fives. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we still kind of knew what was going on. That's true. And then when we got back together, we just kind of picked it up where we left off. Yeah. But one of the things that I just was not prepared for was her expectation that she and I would have that same kind of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I knew that from a, like an intellectualized perspective. Like I could look at it and I'm like, okay, marriages are intimate. I get that. But experiencing it is a very different thing. Yes. And I also didn't anticipate there was an expectation that it would extend to her family as well. Mm -hmm. So I remember, I don't remember if this was when we were married or when we were dating, but um, I, I got a stomach bug and I was, or I was just not feeling well one day and Amy and I were supposed to hang out or something. And then I ended up saying, you know, I've got, I'm just going to stay home, not feeling super well. Mm -hmm. Kind of told her what was going on. The next time it was, it was before we got married. Cause the next time I went over to, she was still living with her parents at the time. Next time I went over there, her mom's like, how's your stomach dude? And it, and that is like a completely banal question to ask, right? Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> it, it's, oh, you know, you've heard that I was not feeling well and you're asking me how I'm doing now. Yeah. But I was shell shocked. I was like, you know, that I had an upset stomach. Yeah. Like Amy told you that I felt so violated. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. I did not have control over that information flow. Mm. Um, and, and that was a wake up of like, oh, it is not just me anymore. Right. You know, yeah. there is a dynamic here mm -hmm. and we have to figure this out. And, and that was really, that was one of the first, um, aha moments. reaction when my personal space is invaded is to back out of that as quickly as possible. I get a sick feeling in my stomach and I wouldn't say that I get panicked, but I am acutely aware of where the other person is in all parts of the other person, where their head is, their, their feet, their arms, their hands, how close they are to me. And I'm acutely aware of all of those things. And I have to navigate away. It's very strategic if someone is in my personal space. As far as when someone shares private information about me, I have to try to imagine that scenario because I don't often share private information about myself. In fact, I would even say that most of the information that I share about myself, I have also carefully chosen so that if it were to be shared, I would not be impacted by it. It is not deep information. So I can't say that I would have a reaction to that because I cannot think of a scenario where it has happened. But then, <laughs> when we did get married, <laughs> um, I think she was like half messing with me, half not, but she was... I already know where this is going and it was more, more not messing with you, but sure. She, I would disappear into the bathroom as a lot of, a lot of dudes do. And, um, you know, since the age of the smartphone, 
I was going to say, I think that could have sounded way more nefarious than it actually is. <laughs> no, I was pooping, okay? Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of like m- my me time. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And there was this threshold where, like, it was, it was okay for a certain amount of time, and then she would start getting antsy. And so then she started messing with me. Like, she would, like, make little noises under the door or stick her fingers under the door. Yeah. And then she would slip little notes, like little love poems and things. I'm like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? How long were you in there for her to write love poems? I, I mean, like a, like a two line. Like a haiku? Like, yeah. <laughs> it was a pooping haiku. It was a poop haiku. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then one day after we got married, she took things to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. I think she thought it would be funny. And... Then she immediately regretted it. She threw open the door because I didn't lock it. Yeah. So she threw open the door, closed her eyes because we were still newly married. You know, we didn't want to. She didn't, she didn't want to like religious baggage. See season one. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, she didn't want to like there. There are some things that you just can't go. There are some milestones you can't like go back from. Yeah, some things you can't unsee. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing your partner pooping is one of those milestones. Yeah. Right. And so that's not that's not something you really want Shredded to do. Just too lightly. Like, yeah. And it's not something <laughs> you want to do like right out of the gate. You gotta work your way up to that. So she okay. she closed her eyes and she she throws a beanbag chair into the bathroom and then just goes and sits down on it, facing my direction with a big smile on her face with her eyes closed. And I did not say a word. I just gave her the death stare. This is making me very uncomfortable. <laughs> just she, listening to this. She could feel it. Yeah. And very quickly, her smile went to complete dread. <laughs> she was like, I immediately regret this. <laughs> like crawled out of the bathroom. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad Madison's never done that. Oh, yeah. It, and and so when I say that I've kind of been inoculated to it, this is what I mean. Like we've we've had to go through... Uh, just where those boundaries are and, you know, me wanting to set them, uh, way, way, way far out than probably I should and her wanting them to be either really, really too close or non-existent at the time. And I've kind of have to like, we've kind of had to move that and figure sure, out what yeah. we're ready well, for. And you always go further than you need to. That way the compromise is actually where you want to be. <laughs> yes. The art of negotiation. Yes. Um, I think that, uh, well, so Madison does this very similar thing where, I, as far if we're talking about poop talk, so like, <laughs> yeah, she constantly makes fun of me because I'll go in there for 20 or 30 minutes, like, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just like chilling, you know, letting and letting things happen and not really thinking about it. But I'm also like reading the news on my phone and, and feeling existential dread while I'm pooping, right. you know, and I'm just in there, but that's my space and I'm just hanging out and she cannot stand the fact that I want to be in there by myself and like, <laughs> and have the door closed. Like she's exactly the same way, but on the other side, she's a six instead of a four and her parents, her and her parents are really, really, really close. Mm. And, and also she has two moms. So like she, it's just a house full of women who are very, very close and it's just different. You know, it's, it's, they've, they've got an, an intense and intimate affection towards one another that is special and different and I don't understand it and it's alien to me. Right. <laughs> right. You know, she talks to her parents, both of them individually and together at least three or four times a day. It's just part of it. And then like, and they, and they all love it and they, they, they're like each other's best friend and they just really enjoy it. And I respect and understand that because it's actually 
for for all that it is, it's a really healthy relationship, and and mm-hmm. I appreciate that um, between them. And I actually love her parents a lot, and they're really great. But they are very intimate, and it makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> and so I get that, like, and and so I get that she wants to be in my space, and but instead of invading that space, which I very much appreciate that she doesn't do, she just tells the world that I am a long. And she like tries to shame me about my long poops. <laughs> she just shames me about how long I'm in the bathroom to everyone. <laughs> Which honestly, I'm like, fine, that's fine. That's the exchange. Like yeah. it doesn't really bother me. That's my space and that's my time. And I can defend that to people and be like, well, that's my that's my space and my time. And I cut out the world for like 20 minutes and it's fine. Whatever. Um, but it's that's that's such an easy uh analogy of relationships, I think, and how we want that space and we want that time. And I think that I went the opposite direction. I I followed in your footsteps to some degree in the sense that I never lived with anybody until I was married the first time in my first marriage. I think I've referenced very briefly a couple times. And so we lived together for like two and a half years. But uh, it's actually kind of funny. I was literally just talking about this last night. I think that I've actually crossed the threshold with living with somebody longer than that so uh, madison uh, i've both been with her for longer than i've ever been with anybody and now lived with her longer than i've ever lived with anybody nice congrats yeah Cheers. And, and somehow <laughs> uh, and somehow we're s- still living together and being happy so it, it actually is possible i didn't know if it was possible in my mind honestly but uh but we also she does a really good job of respecting boundaries and also choosing to let me have some semblance of privacy even if it's a it's a mirage. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine with me because we still live in an apartment that's a one bedroom apartment. There's not a lot of space yeah. to be mine and I've talked about my office in past episodes. I gave that op- office up recently because of various reasons and um, so I don't really have a space to call my own, but you know, I know how to get out of the apartment and, and find space if I need to. And so, um, and she's super understanding of that, but it's, it's been, uh, it's been a journey for sure. And I've definitely had relationships in the past that did not respect those boundaries because of their own insecurities. And yeah. that caused even more friction and issues. And I didn't know what to do with that because I'm like, I'm not doing anything nefarious or bad. But this in constant attacking is causing me to be very like violently ill towards you as a person. And I can't, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to reconcile the situation because it isn't that I'm trying to hide anything from you, but I also like want my own space and I don't want you to be in it. And I also like don't need you in this space at all. And I think that's also, you know, it brings up a lot of issues and a lot of different things like um, expendability <laughs> with people, right? Mm. Like. I cher- there was times in my life where I felt like I cherished my space and my my personal bubble more than I cherished other people. And if they tried to invade that space, then I can easily kick them out of my life and it's fine <laughs> as long as I still have the bubble. I feel differently about that now and I've come a long way and I've grown a little bit since then, but um and I'm willing to share that and I actually think that sharing the private space and sharing um just in general, sharing the bubble is, I, I think that's something that a lot of people who aren't fives don't understand is how much of a gift and an act of love that is Yes, to share that space and to feel like, you know, I, I really feel like being by myself tonight. So I'm going to like binge watch a TV show and kind of zone out. But I want you to do that with me. Like that's such an act of love that people do not understand that mm-hmm. aren't fives. So if you're not a five listening to this and you have a five in your life, understand that that is like a supreme act of love, I think. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I've, I've thought about this some and thinking through the different levels of health as a five mm. and what are some of the more tangible or visible signs of those things. Yeah. And when we get down into the, the lower levels, we can get really, really paranoid and really, really privacy focused. Right. Um, like we don't want anyone to know anything about us. Yeah, switch completely to self-preservation mode. Yes, and yeah. and I, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that 90 percent of all of the um, those like anonymous Twitter troll type accounts, like people who put the they won't put their own photo on their as their profile picture, yeah, um, or or put a fake name or something. They're they're fives. <laughs> I, I I think so. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's a sign that you're like an unhealthy five or anything like that. But um, the there's this there's this level where as you start to do what we're talking about to let people in, you get more okay with letting people in and letting go of some of that control, mm. and and you can be yourself more. And I I'd wager that you probably won't feel as compelled to do that, even though. I also get on the other side of that. It's the internet. <laughs> so, so there are legitimate reasons to want to uh, be a little bit more anonymous, which is, which is perfectly understandable. Uh, also like the idea of being completely free of identity to be able to say exactly what you're thinking and feeling to its fullest extent. That could be, I mean, yeah, definitely. It could be a five thing. I, I, I was literally having a conversation today with Madison on the phone. I was venting while driving around, um, doing my job and I was so frustrated and I got to the point where like I was venting and I, I got to the extent of the conversation where I was like, I just really, really wish that my job, which is a sales job. I wish that my sales job could be that I could just literally just, I just want a job where I'm only selling this thing. And I'm like, I don't really give a shit. If you don't want this thing, you're going to have this thing. And once you have the thing, I don't, I'm not responsible for what you do with it. <laughs> because it's not being in the alcohol industry it's not really how it works like after they buy the thing then they want me to take the thing back if it goes out of date or if there's damage or whatever mm. and legally in Tennessee I cannot do that so it's a weird thing anyway don't want to get off in the weeds about that but I get really frustrated about this idea of being like held accountable to my items that I sell people after the fact and have to build these relationships when really what I want is to sell things like I don't know medical equipment where I'm just like selling really interesting and really expensive things to really high powered people <laughs> that are probably psychopaths. <laughs> and, wow. <laughs> I, you know, medical industry, they all have God complex. They're probably psychopaths. Uh, I, I assume that all doctors are psychopaths. Let's just go ahead and throw that out there. That's probably because you've watched house like 10 times. <laughs> I, but it's also like statistically, there's a, there's a lot of evidence to support that theory. Actually, there's a lot of people, a lot of doctors do have a God complex, even if they don't realize it anyway. I just, I would rather be in that industry and be able to like have, and also it would be easier for me as a five to have all of the knowledge about this one thing that I'm selling mm. at a time, right? Like a lot of medical equipment sales, it's like you're selling this one thing for a certain amount of time and then you move on to another thing and whatever. But for me, I have this vast book of items that I'm selling that I'm supposed to know something about. And so I'm constantly feeling inadequate trying to sell these things. And then I'm constantly trying to like catch up and do all these things. Well, then I sell the thing and then they always want this relationship afterwards. <laughs> and so it's just yeah. been the struggle. And so today I was literally venting about it. And I was like, I just want to be able to like cut it off and be do the thing and just move on. 
And it's constantly invading my space, always, even on the weekends. Like I had somebody calling me, one of my accounts calling me like three times on a Sunday morning. And if I didn't answer, they were going to call my boss. So I really needed to answer. Ugh. And it was just stupid stuff. Like it's just how it is. And so, you know, it's just part of it. And so I think that, um, you know, my job constantly exposes this part of me where I'm just like, I want control. I want the privacy of it. I also would love so much, which is what I was getting to. I would love so much to just be able to say like, fuck you, take the thing. Like, I know better than you and I know what I'm doing. Like, just, just stop distrusting me and just take the thing. I want to be able to fully, 100% unfiltered, say the thing I'm thinking. And so the idea of the internet and being full anonymity and being able to say what I'm really thinking and feeling, it's, it's enticing for sure. So I think that all that to say, coming full circle, I think they might be fives and they just realized early on and they might be unhealthy fives, but they're like, you know, if I just don't put my name and my picture up there. <laughs> I can say whatever I want. I, I'm I'm getting to the point where that kind of mentality, though, I feel like it's destroying. Oh, it's society. destructive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because there's no there's no stakes, right? Yeah, and there's there's no real cost to getting in and just like venting and trashing, and and it's completely really, it's really easy to get addicted to that mode. Yeah, for um, sure. and and what it but what it does is when you're anonymous you can think of everyone else as just their avatars, right? There's, mm -hmm. and when you're going, you get into this mindset of they're not a real person and it's hard to then connect the consequences of the things that you say, uh, you know, connect those consequences to the things that you say. Yeah. And, and so especially for us as fives, cause I've been in troll mode and it, it, when you, you've been in troll mode with this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is this is why i haven't been doing much on social media I, I needed to i needed to take a break um but i've i've been in troll mode and it's really easy to disconnect the empathy you know sure. as, as a five and i wonder if the privacy piece is an excuse for that mm -hmm. um sometimes where i i tell myself that i i'm doing this to protect myself um but really i'm i'm doing it so you know, I don't, and there are no consequences and I don't have to deal with the things that I, I could potentially feel when I engage in any type of empathy um, or putting myself in someone else's shoes. Yeah, I wonder about that. One of the things that I realize that I do when I feel like my space is being invaded, I start organizing things around me. There's um, sort of a subtle discomfort and I feel the need to make sure that everything's in its place or I start straightening up my desk. If I'm home, I might decide that it's time for me to put any extra dishes in the dishwasher. And there have been times when I have used work as an excuse not to deal with people because you know I've got so much to do and it's important and I'm the only person that can do this at this moment whether that's completely true or not I don't think that I'm as direct as I probably should be or wish that I was my reaction when people invade my personal space is immediate angst I dislike intrusiveness 
and intrusive people, whether it's people who might drop by my house unannounced or impose on me or obligate me to something without my permission. I enjoy having people over when it's by my invitation. I also greatly dislike intrusive questions about my personal life from people who I don't have a close relationship with. And also private information about me that someone has shared, the immediate reaction is betrayal because trust is such a sizable principle to me. My reaction has been devastation when I learned that someone I trusted shared something private about me that I told them in confidence. It takes me a long time to share my heart, myself with someone, even my husband. It's like layers and layers of trust that has to be assembled before I can be that vulnerable with someone. So betrayal is the ultimate reaction that I feel when that trust is violated. Yeah, I think that I think oftentimes privacy can be an excuse for a safety net and just it's our, our sense of control that's easy to have and easy to make excuses for. Um, and I do that on a regular basis. I just do. Um, and, and I don't think that I do as much as I used to. I've definitely gotten better about it. But I mean, there was in early days all the way to like middle of the middle of the the relationship I'm currently in I would do things like I don't even know grab my phone and do stupid things that set, make it look like I'm up to no good <laughs> and I'm not doing anything <laughs> but it's just this it depends on if I'm feeling paranoid or if I'm in an unhealthy place or if I'm feeling stressed and anxious all of those things play into that and make me react in a way that makes it look like there's something else going on when I wasn't doing anything. Like I don't have anything to hide, but I sure made it look like I did. <laughs> you know? And I do, I, I used to do that regularly. I actually have to uh, consciously not do the thing that I think that I'm, that I'm thinking about doing to make it look like I'm not doing the thing that I'm not doing. <laughs> think about that for a second. <laughs> um, so like, like I, I just consciously do things like, you know, leave my phone around, laying around, even though I don't think that Madison's going to go through my phone, but I know that she knows that I'm leaving it there so that if she did, it's just sitting there and mm. I didn't, I didn't protect it. I didn't take it with me because I don't want her to think that I'm hiding anything, but I also don't want to, uh, I don't, it, there's a, it's a weird, it's a weird control thing. It's a give and take, right? Like. It's all calculated, <laughs> but I also, it's just, and it's also constantly trying to stretch myself a little bit to be a little bit more comfortable with sharing space and sharing a life with somebody else that I care about, which is a new thing for me to some, you know, it just is. And I think that that's been a big challenge is trying to share space constantly with somebody that I actually care about, because I think that. In my first, in my marriage, I think that I, I say my first marriage as though I'm married again, but I'm not. Um, but in, but when I was married before, I think that there was, there was a, there was a certain level of distrust there always, uh, that was kind of left unsaid for the most part for the first half. And it was easy to ignore that and just keep going because we both felt it for our own lives. And so we never really fully trusted each other. And so that was, there was always this space in the middle that we didn't really talk about or acknowledge. And once we took out the religious piece, which was what was kind of holding us together, then it was easy to just be like, let's call it. Um, and I never really had to deal with any of the things because I, it was easy for me to also detach and be like, I don't care about you and just separate my feelings and act how I wanted to act or, or keep things to myself or whatever. And she didn't really notice. And so this one 
this relationship I'm in now is not like that. If I try to keep things to myself or I even begin to be a little bit private, I have to have a reason for it. Otherwise, she immediately acknowledges and notices I'm (laughs) acting a certain way and I need to give her a reason or she's going to start panicking because she's a six. Right. (laughs) And so, and and a six-wing five at at, at that. So like super analytical, but also anxious. So I'm more analytical and a little anxious. She's all anxiety and a little analytical. So definitely able to see those situations and know like something's up and something's different. I think she's been able to... uh, definitely pick up on my bipolar patterns more than anybody else ever has too. And so that's something that I've been trying to deal with and also definitely need to get officially diagnosed. So maybe I could be on medication for it, but it's absolutely destroyed every relationship I've ever been in for sure. And it's, it's also gotten into that whole, whenever I'm feeling more like manic or hypomanic, I can get really paranoid or really like anxious about everything. And I just need a space. I need my own bubble. And that, you know, easily people can take that as like, I don't want you in my life. Or also I become easily self-destructive because I'm super impulsive. So it's easy for me to just break up with somebody. And then three days later be like, ah, maybe I didn't mean that. And so as you can imagine, super unhealthy relationships in my teen years, just going back and forth constantly. Um, but Madison was the first person to actually pick up on that pattern and just be like, okay, you're obviously being this right now. And so I'm going to allow for this space, even though like maybe she didn't want to, or is inconvenient or whatever, but she's helped me work through that. And so it's easy for me to easier for me to kind of navigate that issue and realize that privacy is not actually the issue. It's just the safety net. It's just the, the thing that I cushion and make me, and what I'm really trying to do is create a, a safe space for myself is really what I'm trying to do. And I think that that's, that's been actually pretty helpful for me to be able to try to approach privacy and boundaries from a, a healthier place than I've ever done before. And, uh, yeah, that's been more productive than in the past. Yeah. What I heard you say there was that it's, it's not necessarily about privacy so much as it's about trust. Yes. And, and what you had contrasted was that before there was in, in your previous marriage, there was no really trust on either side. Right. And then in your current relationship, there is a level of trust that allows you to kind of let down that guard much more than you've ever done in the past. I'm curious what you feel like are some of the ingredients, if you will, for that trust to happen. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, I, uh, I think that it, it, it's really just kind of by luck that we kind of stumbled upon this kind of recipe for how we interact with each other. I feel like she, if we're, I, I, I don't, because it has religious connotations and connections and sometimes I'm like iffy about using this, but a lot of people talk about this in in Enneagram five groups and stuff about the, uh, the five love languages mm-hmm. and the thing that Madison is really, really big on is acts of service. I don't know if she realizes this, but her parents are like this, like they, without a, without a second, like without even any hesitation, they will serve whoever around them. Right. Like my, her mom used to on, uh, their old street that they lived in and, uh, they, she would go around and like mow the yards of all of the elderly people who couldn't get out and do it for free. Well, or for like some money, but like mostly for free. Right. But they are both like that so much. And because of that reason, Madison's so much like this. And so 
my main love language is acts of service. I've never really realized it that much, but when I have somebody who's like taking care of the things that I don't think about and it just happens and it gets done and I don't have to think about it. Oh man, like there is literally no part of me at all that, that questions whether or not she loves me because of how much like my clothes are clean <laughs> and, and like, it, and, and there's, there's food in the fridge or like she'll cook dinner sometime. Like it's all these things that I don't, I, if she wasn't there, I don't do them. Like she was gone this past weekend. I lived like a terrible person. <laughs> I lived like a troll. Right. Um, I, I, it's amazing. I got through three days and kept two dogs alive. Like it's, it's insane. Um, and because I just become a terrible person. And so I just like live in a robe and play video games. Like it's terrible and I don't do anything productive. And so like with her around, like the apartment stays clean and like, she constantly reminds me, oh, I should probably clean things too. And I should do things mm -hmm. and be productive. And, and, um, I don't, I didn't have that before. So I feel like that's a huge proponent for me constantly being reminded that I should consider this other person. And mm -hmm. also like, there's never a time in my day or in my life where I feel like I'm not loved by her, which is very different from any other person in my life. And so that's been a really big thing for me because just this idea of being loved is so foreign to me before that, that it, the, I don't have to worry about whether or not she has my best interests in mind, which automatically creates trust without realizing it. And I think that that's been such a huge transition in life where mm -hmm. I can create space for that and go, you know what, I'm just going to trust the situation and trust her to be the person that she's saying she's going to be and have my best interest at heart because I don't really have to think about it anything else because she's created a safe space without even realizing it. And so it's, it's actually just kind of worked. I didn't really have to work for it in a weird way. It just kind of like happens and trying to cultivate that and be a good person back to her is the hardest part. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I think at this point, if, uh, we had a sponsor, I would say, <laughs> Sign up for, uh, sign up for Express VPN. Uh, <laughs> what? Because it's an episode about privacy. <laughs> sign up for one password. Uh, yeah. I think what's important is creating space in your life for people to be able to learn how to trust them and share that space so that privacy is not the issue. It's just creating community in a way that feels not, it's not about your self-preservation, but it's about sharing space and being able to, I feel like privacy actually becomes, it becomes so much about self, right? It's not, it, when I'm thinking the most private about myself or feeling the most private, I'm actually excluding everyone around me and I'm mm -hmm. not being uh, communal. And deep down, we're still human. We still want some type of community. We still want some type of uh, tribe to call ours. And I think I've talked about this before about how I've never really felt like I'm a part of a tribe or a part of a group. Right. And I feel like a lot of people based on comments we've seen in our community and in other groups, like that's a very common thing for fives. We always feel like we're on the outside and looking in. And I feel like from that perspective, it's really easy to see ev all of, see all of the world against you and not for you. And that causes us to be so private and so cut off. And like, we're creating this, like kind of some, somewhat of a, a level of anonymity in real life. We're wearing a mask. We're not showing our true selves. We're not being our true selves to other people. And 
I was like that for the majority of my life. And to some degree, I'm still like that. And I try really hard to overcome that, but it's still there to some degree. And it's really, it's almost like an addiction. Like it's mm. to have that control and to know that every, no one knows the hundred percent like true self, right. Is something that is really hard to let go of, but just this, this podcast has forced me to come out of that a little bit and to come out of that shell and, and break that, that bubble that I've so meticulously protected. <laughs> <laughs> And doing that right now is, is really hard. It's always a little bit hard and a little bit of resistance from my inner self being like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't, don't let it all out. Um, and, but it's also super cathartic to just be like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a really good point. We, we tend to want to retreat inward mm -hmm. and that's how we protect ourselves, yeah. you know, from, from all the dangers of the outside world. Um, and you know, I, there is something to be said for the balance you know, from the privacy perspective, because there, there are, there are some things we, we, I feel like we can, we can flip, we can like flip flop between the extremes because what you're saying is like, I've, I've had that too, where it's just like, fuck it. I'm just going to let it all out. And that, that like will push people away right. who don't know you that well. Right. Yeah. So like, that's why one of the reasons why we can be terrible at small talk, because we just come in and it's like, it's either all or nothing. And it's like, you it's know. either how's the weather or like, do, <laughs> is there meaning to life? Right. Like do what happens when we die? <laughs> <laughs> Here's all of my existential yeah. dread. Yeah. You know? And, <laughs> and so, you know, there's, there's this sort of metering that we have to be aware of. And, and I might say that I, I might guess that that is one of the reasons why um, we it's we we do flip from one side to the other because it's that metering it takes energy and it takes awareness yeah and it's being in that moment and and not escaping into your head but focusing and and reading the other person and opening your, like opening yourself up just enough to see you know kind of testing the waters and there's there's that it's sort of like a dance sure and what it what it what it prevents us from doing is getting back into our own heads and it, it also takes a lot of energy and and so there's there's a lot of it's sort of multifaceted so we you know there's something like i said there's something to be said for the balance of it but to your point the the thing that we all want as human beings is to be part of a community to be part of you know whether it's a, a small or large but to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And if we are wearing that face of anonymity and then say that again, <laughs> if we are wearing that face of anonymity, <laughs> put too much pressure on it now. <laughs> oh, and uh, anonymity is a thing uh, in the ocean. <laughs> I said anonymity. Anonymity. An anonymity. <laughs> That's what I said. No. Anonymity. So <laughs> if if we're wearing that anonymous mask, right? <laughs> that mask of anonymity. <laughs> anonymity. Come on, say it with me. Anonymity. There you go. That's what I said. No, it's not. Uh, if you're wearing a mask all the time, then you're not going to be able to build those relationships. 
And if you're, you're by default going to be pe- keeping people at a distance and really self-sabotaging your, your own needs and desires. And so it's one of those things that there's no, I feel like this is one of those areas where there's no necessarily right answer. It's more of a skill and a wisdom you develop over time of how much to let people in and when and at what, you know, at what, at what rate, and it's going to be different for different people. But the, the big thing for us is we need to try yeah, and we need to, you know, we're going to always err on the side of walls and privacy. So let's pull that back. And yeah, erring on the other side leaves us open to, you know, potentially being hurt or attacked or whatever. Um, but if there's no risk, there's no reward. I get uptight when I know that people are coming over to my house for more than just a short visit. I like having people over as long as it's a specific amount of time and I know the purpose for the visit. 90 minutes, two hours is a great visit, but to have people come stay with me, I'm afraid that they're going to like take me over. I have a sister that I love who's very extroverted, ADHD, just uh, lots of energy that when she stays with me, about once a year, I have to kind of brace myself for her coming to visit because she never stops. She's always on the go. She doesn't know how to how to slow down. Whereas I like my peace and quiet. I need it in order to rejuvenate myself. And I just feel very uncomfortable just thinking about it. I, I, I just tighten up when I think about having somebody come stay with me and invading my space. I did take care of a friend who had surgery. I, I did not go into a rehabilitation center afterward and stayed with me for three weeks and I just kind of I almost like detached from myself while I took care of this person for three weeks in my home and uh, it was like just a, a job and a duty that I was doing and I I got through it I was a great host she did very well while she was staying here she's very grateful for my assistance but I was really uncomfortable with the notion that I was going to have her in my space for two or three weeks but I just took it one day at a time and um, I feel pretty good that I was able to to help her. But that initial tightening and discomfort came over me at the thought of somebody coming in and staying in my space. It's just not a good feeling. Initially, I just want to reject it. hate it when people invade my space. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to crawl out of my skin. Even people that I love that are close to me, when I'm all caught up in what I'm doing and they want to touch me and all this and that, I just have a like a natural resistance going on inside of me. I don't feel good about it uh, many times, but I just want to be left alone in my private time. What can I say? One of my favorite uh, things to do is uh, get on my king side bed under my Minnesota Vikings blanket and my miniature schnauzer lay on the blanket with me. Now that is the life right there. I don't know if anybody else agrees with me on this, but there's, you know, I think, I don't know if I've, 
maybe I've mentioned this movie before. Actually, I've referenced this movie, but uh, like Life of Walter Mitty. Um, I love that movie. I love that movie, right? And prob- and hopefully everybody else is like, I love that movie. Because one of the reasons why I love that movie is because I love watching somebody who was trapped in their own self, letting go of it all and being like, you know what? Maybe it actually could happen to me. Hmm. And I actually feel like the thing that we so often want deep down is true connection with people. And it seems like this utopia, this thing that we can't have and we're not, or that we don't deserve or that maybe we're just so alien and so different and so outside of the norm that we don't get to experience those things. But actually it's the feeling that we feel that's actually trapping us and keeping us from those things. And if we just constantly little by little take the risk and move towards community and move towards being open with somebody else, regardless of how they're going to respond or be open to us back, we actually might experience the thing that we always wish that we could and feel like we don't deserve. And that's such a huge and powerful thing. And I feel like I've moved towards that so much in the last like five years. Right. And I, I constantly see that more and more in my life. And I choose so often now to to say the thing that I was afraid to say before, even if it's something like, you know, one of my really good friends, like sometimes I just like tell him how much he means to me. And that's something that I never would have thought about to do before. I never would have wanted to put myself on, on the line like that before. But I feel like that's something that is so, it pushes that boundary of it, it, it people may not think of it as privacy, but it really is because we're actually protecting ourselves. Those walls that come up, they're not to protect other people. They're protect ourselves. Sometimes we think they're protecting other people, whether or not we think of ourselves as uh, some type of a villain or whatever, which fives <laughs> often, I think, put themselves in the place of a villain. But we are constantly always looking out from the outside in, but actually we're just creating this space where we're the ones on the outside and we put ourselves there. And if we can figure out a way to... to um, close in on that space that we've created with other people that maybe we can overcome that and actually experience life with other people and overcome that idea of privacy as an unhealthy presence in our life. Well said. I think that that's a good place to end it. It's a good place to end it. All right. Go to expressvpn.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to the next one. <laughs> It's Cody, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode. I also want to give a special thanks to our community members who shared their voice with us. If you enjoyed this episode and you're the type of person who likes helping others, would you do us a favor and share it with other people like you? If you found value in this conversation, they will too. If anything in this conversation has resonated with you, or if you have any further thoughts or questions, I want to invite you to join our community of other people like you and continue the conversation at Enneagram5.com. 